uh, this morning is sacrifice through the lens of grace. We've been talking about grace, and I'm still pretty overwhelmed by the by the word. Uh, grace is so big; it's so broad. Um, I think that we will, like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we could we could spend the next year talking about grace, and then at the end of the year we would say, okay, let's do another year. Um, uh, and so, uh, hey, our church is called Living Grace. And that's because grace is not dead. Grace is not inactive. Grace is alive. Uh, grace is something that we've been given an overabundance of, and it's something that overflows that we can pour out to others. Grace. Um, and so, uh, sacrifice through the lens of grace. You know what? It occurred to me pretty early in my walk with Christ. I mean, like in the early days when I was fresh out of the oven, I kind of had this sense that, that one of the things that, that goes along with Christianity is giving some things up. You know, some sacrifice. Uh, and, and, and I would say that early on, uh, I felt like sacrifice would earn me God's favor and God's love. You know, like, oh man, oh you got sacrifice, man, you got to give, oh man, relax. You know, I was, I kind of maybe had a little bit of a balance issue where I was more focused on, on earning God's love and, 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 and kind of making Papa proud, but not so much just be out of a, out of a relationship with him, but out of a trying to please him. And trying to, you know, and um, I'll share that, that you know, 28, I don't even know how long ago it was, years ago, I was in a relationship uh, when I came to Christ. And, uh, and it, was pretty, uh, it was very evident, very early in my walk with Christ, that that relationship was not what God had for me. I mean, he spoke it clearly. And, and, and that was, it was a hard thing. You know, to kind of, you know, give up. You ever, you ever feel like in your heart, man, there's, there's something that you know God is telling you. You need to, what are, let that go. Are you serious? And not only that, you know, you read it in the Word and you're hearing all these words about sacrifice. You're like, oh, there it goes again. And then, you know, you go to church and some pastor speaking on sacrifice, you know, and you're like, okay, okay, okay. And then someone else, you're, you know, maybe getting some gas or you're in the market and someone comes up to you and says, you know what, I know this may sound weird, but I just keep hearing the word sacrifice you go okay okay and then some of us are a little more spiritual than others and we respond right away and others we kind of have to we kind of how many of you ever had God just kind of pry open your hands because you you just were holding on so tight ah, this is mine you know little kids I saw the cutest thing the other day I was I was working out at the uh, with my daughter where's here she is at the YMCA right and uh, there was I'm doing some crazy stretch on sh- some machine and there's a little bench over it was just a bench that's all it was was a bench two brothers right you know where this is going right two brothers and one of the brothers jumped on the bench and he was it just it wasn't he was just kind of sitting on it and you know pretending like he was working out and his little little brother walks up i was it was classic and and he walks up he goes no mine mine and i'm like oh my gosh oh man that's not yours man all right anyway I just thought, isn't that so like how we are? Mine. No, this is mine. No, God. God, I'll I'll do anything for you, Lord. Give this up. No, Lord, anything. Lord, no, give it no anything but that, God. You know, and, 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 you know, and I have to tell you, and I'll get to this more towards the end. I got to tell you, I think that one of the things that really tripped me up with surrendering and sacrificing you know, was surrendering my heart to Jesus, was that I knew I was going to have to give some things up and change. 
And, and I, I, I was a little bit hesitant in that. I don't know about y'all, but I was just like, oh, I ain't no way. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, heaven, okay, great. You know, love, you know, you're a good, good father, fantastic. Uh, giving up stuff? Wait a minute now. I don't know about all that. You know, because it's, everybody say it, mine. All right, so let me try to get through this as quickly as I can. All right, sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Now say grace. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 3, the beginning, the book of beginnings, that's what Genesis means, um, you know that Adam and Eve um, chose to violate God's one commandment, one commandment, one, one, just one thing, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge, that's it, you've got the entire planet all to yourselves, you're running around and you're naked, or if you're from the south, you're naked, um, and uh, you're just... Uh, you know, they're the only two, it's just, it's okay, and it's beautiful, and it's the perfect environment, the perfect food, perfect amino enzyme, perfect soil, perfect everything, perfect temperature. Eve, of course, had the perfect hair, you know, I mean, all that. And uh, Adam was, you know, sufficiently chiseled, or however Adam looked, you know, I don't know. And and you know what they did. They partook of the tr- one the one thing that God, one thing that God said, don't do, they said, mine. <laughs> No, that fruit is ours. Okay, and you know what happened? We, we, the, 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 everything went like this. You know, sin entered the world. Uh, hardships, difficulties, relational problems. Uh, all of a sudden, they try to cover themselves with fig leaves because they're the only two on the planet. The only two uh, human beings on the planet, and they're ashamed because they have no clothes on. As a result of their sin, uh, they recognize. Not nudity, uh, uh, but nakedness, which has a context of shame. And so they, they, and we do this too, right? We, 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 we hide when we do things that we know are wrong or if we disappoint God or whatever. Anyway, so they try to, they try to cover themselves, uh, with, uh, with fig leaves, you know, and, and God, of course, in, because of his great love and mercy, goes after his kids and, and says, Adam, where are you? Come on, stop trying to hide. And, and uh, well, we saw that we, we took of the tree. We saw we were naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? And he goes, by the way, what's up with the fig leaves? Okay, that's just not going to work. And so somewhere in the garden, there's an animal or two. Uh, maybe it's a sheep. We don't know what it was. And, and that animal is slain. And God takes their, their skins and he covers them. He covers them. By the way, clothing is a constant reminder of our sin, <laughs> all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Um, it's also a reminder that if you don't have any on, on in, in, in the right place, you, you're going away for a while, okay? Yeah, you better, okay? And so, um, <clears throat> so uh, this was the first attempt of, 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 of humans trying to uh, cover their own sin, trying to be right with God their own way. Uh, and God said, that's not going to do. So he made something for them. And the precedent was set. God's grace was on display as he made a way for his kids to be right with him. Okay, first. And secondly, only God can provide the covering for our nakedness or our sin. Only God can provide that covering uh, that we might be in a right relationship with him. Okay, fast forward with me to Genesis chapter 12. God's about to build a nation out of uh, one family, a man and a woman, an entire nation that would be called Israel, okay? And so he tells this man, Abraham, who, who would be the father of this great nation, he says to him, we're talking about sacrifice and we're talking about grace. And he says to him in chapter 12, verse 1 of Genesis, 
the book of beginnings, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And Abram is like, cool, but, you know, he's like 75 years old. And it would be 25 years later until that promise actually comes to pass with the birth of Isaac. What an amazing thing. So God says, through you and your son, sons, one son in particular, Isaac, I'm going to birth an entire nation. And Abraham replied, okay, cool, but not, you know, uh, first of all, I'm 75, and my wife is barren. And whenever the Bible says someone is barren, that means that she was unable to have children. And so she has a son. And here we go with this great nation, and Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the downline, and to David, and on and on and on. It's amazing, right? Well, um, it says in Genesis 22, we're talking about sacrifice and grace. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Okay, okay, sacrifice my as an offering, like sacrifice my son, you know, my I mean, like, God, remember the promise you made to me? You said that I would have a great... This is like my only son. This is the son that that whole promise will go through. Okay? And and so here's what Abraham does in verse 6. Says, so he, he says, okay, I don't know what you got up your sleeve, God, but I'm, I'm going to be willing. That's a key word. And so it says in verse 6, Abraham placed the... They get to the place and where God shows them, Abraham placed the wood... For the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, and while he himself carried the fire and the knife, as the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood. And the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? See, he hasn't told him, because if you've got a teenager, and, you know, that's not a good conversation to say, come on, son, we're going up to the mountains. All right. One-on-one time with Dad. Where are we going? We're going to this mountain here, and when we get there, God's going to show us. Okay, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to sacrifice, son. Awesome. Oh, man, we're going to hang out and have a great time. And, and as they're going up the mountain, and, you know, he's a young guy. He's carrying the wood, Abraham. And there you go. And, uh, he, you know, he's a teenager, and he's like, so, okay, Dad, check it out, ma'am. Like, we're at that place, but where's the, where's the, where's the sacrifice? Well... Uh, you are. <laughs> what? What? What is this? Okay. Okay, you jokester. All right, be serious. No, seriously. No, you are. What? And, and, and he gets up on the altar. He does. He, he, he does. Which is amazing. He does. And, and, and if you know the story, Abraham says, when he asks, where is the sheep? Abraham. Abram says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. And as he's willing to sacrifice, and right to the point of about to sacrifice, 
the angel of the Lord steps in and says, Abraham, Abraham, now I know that you believe in me. And there's a ram or sheep who's, who's stuck in, in a bush. And they sacrifice that. Um, and I wrote this down. Abraham was willing to offer that which he valued the most, his son. He was willing, even if it didn't make sense, to sacrifice that which, which meant the most to him, his son. Well, fast forward uh, to this great nation that, uh, that comes out of, of, really, this family. And you know the story of, of the Exodus, Moses, and how they end up in Egypt, and they're slaves for 400 years. And they become this great nation, and through God's mighty hand of incredible miracles, he delivers them out of the hand of the Egyptians, the most powerful people group on the planet at that time. And um, uh, as they are... Headed out of Egypt, and as they are making their way to the promised land, uh, God gives them some rules and precepts and laws. And and because uh, this people, they had they had no government. There's a million, two million people, and they have no laws. They have no government. They don't even really know God that well because they've been in a land that had multiple gods. God has destroyed and shattered all of those gods, and now we worship the one true God. But you know what? That's been 400 years. We don't know a whole lot about Him. And so God gives them laws and precepts and sacrifices, things that they had to do to be brought in alignment with him. They had to bring goats and bulls and rams and pigeons and there's and there were and there were parties that they had, Passover, the Feast of Booths, all these celebrations that were all a part of being in relationship with God. Okay? Um and so the sacrifices that they brought had to be clean, they had to be offered to God alone. They, they had to bring a perfect sacrifice. Like if God said bring a bring a lamb, they couldn't bring like a one-eyed lamb with three legs, right? It's like, come on, man. You can do better than that. You know, bring your best, you know. Uh, it had to be approved or uh, appointed uh, by or, or sacrificed by specific men called priests. And uh, they had to bring it in faith and they had to be obedient to all that God asked. It was all a part of learning the character of God and understanding that they were his people. And there was, uh, uh, as a result of that relationship, there were things that they had to do. There were sacrifices that they had to give. Well, uh, we can fast forward to them now in their own land and uh, wanting to have a king like like everybody else up to this point. God had said, I will be your king. And they're like, no, we want a king. And they're like, no, I'm your king. No, we want a king like everyone else. God says, great, you want a king? I'll give you one. Here's your king. King Saul started off pretty good, um, but didn't really end up all that well. He had a mission that God gave him. One of his missions was to go and destroy this king Agag. This guy was a bad dude. And his people were just, they were corrupt. The level of, 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 of immorality, the level of sin was, was hardly, you can't even really think about it. And, and, and King Saul was told to go and to not bring any of the uh, uh, booty, King James calls it, <laughs> you know, not to uh, bring any of the spoil back, to utterly destroy everything. And so King Saul sort of goes halfway, and there's a scripture I want to get to. It says in First Samuel 15, Saul, uh, uh, Saul's journey, he, he captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and the fat calves and the lambs. 
everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Do you kind of get that? God's mission was go, don't bring anything back, okay? Which was typically what they would do. I mean, they take the best of everything. He says, no, go and destroy everything. And there's a reason for it because we're, this is my vengeance poured out on these people for what they did and what they're doing. And, 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 and you're the instrument. And he's like, oh, God, you right on, uh, uh, King. Oh, God, we got it. We'll take care of everything. And say, hey, hey, someone says, why are we going to destroy? And these, these are good, sh- man, look at that. Sh- I don't have a sheep like that. And man, look at that ram over there. I mean, you, what are you going to do? Just like destroy everything? Okay, well, let's take some of the good stuff for ourselves. Ah, it's not what God said. We're talking about sacrifice today and grace. And so the prophet Samuel comes and he's got some words for this guy because God downloaded everything to Samuel. And now Samuel comes and he talks to the king and he says in 1 Kings 15, 22, Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, and it says this, obedience is better than sacrifice. That gets right to the heart of the issue, right? Oh, Samuel says, Saul, Saul, you, you, you didn't do the whole, you didn't obey. And Saul said, yeah, no, we did it. We did what God said. And Samuel's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Therefore, you're not going to be king. And then here comes a young, young guy named King David and the destiny of a nation was changed. Well, speaking of King David, we're talking about sacrifice and God's grace. A little bit later on in his tenure as king, he decides that he wants to uh, take a census. David does. No big deal. Take a census. Find out how many people you got. The only problem was, according to the law, the only time you could take a census is when God told you to. David decided he was going to take a census on his own will. There's a captain in his army named Joab. And Joab, who was not the most religious guy on the block, but he was a soldier. I mean, if you needed a soldier, Joab's your man. But when it came to integrity, it'd be like, uh, you might want to find someone else. Joab even says, hey, David, don't do this thing. I mean, you've got plenty of people. God will provide what you need. Don't. Uh, David has it in his heart that he's going to do this census anyway, and it's not a good thing. David actually sinned against God. 2 Samuel 24 says this. It says, verse 10, But after the census, after he had taken the census, David's conscience began to bother him. And the Lord said to him, I have sinned. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. And the Lord says, okay. I'm going to give you three options. This is amazing. I'm going to give you three options, David. You pick. <gasps> Option number one, three years of famine in out the, throughout the land. Pretty desperate. Secondly, three months of fleeing from your enemies. Let's see, David's like, well, been there, done that. That's a drag. And the third thing is three days of plague. And so... David chooses number three, three days of plague. And he says this in verse 14, let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is great. Ah, But don't let me fall into human hands. As a result of David's decision to do this, 70,000 people die in the plague. 
The Lord holds back the angel, the hand of the angel of the Lord at a place called the threshing floor of Arana. Arana. David is instructed to go there and build an altar for this plague to cease. The man who owns the field wants to give him the field. And he's like, King, hey man, you're the king. You could just take my field. if you, It's yours. You don't have to pay me for the field. I'll even provide some of the animals for you. Um, David says, no way. And, and check out this principle. We're talking about sacrifice and God's grace. So it says in 2 Samuel 24, 24, David says this, no, I insist on buying it. For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the, and the oxen and the plague stops. David was unwilling to offer something that cost him nothing. Um, it turns out that this is the same place where Abraham, there's a reason I shared that story. This is the same place where Abraham was willing to offer up his son Isaac here at this field, this place. It turns out this is also the place where King Solomon would build the temple. Same area. How amazing for our God of mercy to take David's two biggest sins and to make a temple out of them. Because you know that Solomon was a, his mother's name was Bathsheba. Bathsheba belonged, she was married to Uriah the Hittite. And if you know the story of David, you know that moral failure that he had. Anyway, all right, here's my point. We're kind of winding it down now, okay? You guys with me? Here we go. At some point, our Christianity will cost us something. At some point, it will cost something. I realized that early in my Christianity. <laughs> I'm like, hey, uh, what? What? <laughs> ah. And as I shared with you, that's what kept me from surrendering my whole heart was the cost. In Mark chapter 18, verse 28 through 34, Jesus says this. Well, this is what it says about a conversation he has. It says, one of the scribes came and heard him, him, them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well. He asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, your, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, there is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself, much more, 
uh, is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Okay, so um, this this man comes with this answer that 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 uh, uh, that he agrees completely with Jesus says. So Jesus takes when we talk about sacrifices, he takes the entire sacrificial system, all the laws, all the commandments. You could go from Matthew all the way back to Genesis, all of it, and and Jesus summarizes it in two s- s- relatively on paper anyway, simple commandments. And he says, love God with everything you have, everything you have, heart, soul, mind, strength, and love others as you love yourself. Okay. Okay. Um, that's uh, pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. Um, the Old Testament sacrifices and the offerings... Sum it all up by just loving God with everything you have and loving others. That's the summation. Romans chapter 12 gives us another backdrop on how we should, in this dimension of being in the New Testament, how we should live our lives. And he says in 12.1, this is the Amplified Bible, I appeal to you therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive decision, uh, 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 make a, a decisive decision, a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and all and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Okay, so Paul the Apostle says, I'm begging you, because of the mercy of God that you've experienced, to make a decisive decision to present your members and your faculties as a living sacrifice. That's your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. That's everything you are. So Jesus says, love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Paul the Apostle says, make a decisive decision that you'll commit everything you are. Your body, your soul, your mind, everything as a living sacrifice. Most sacrifices eventually die. <laughs> They die on the altar. But Paul says, no, sacrifice it all and continually sa- and stay on that altar of sacrifice. Wow. Okay. All right. So that kind of kicks it up a whole nother notch. One's whole being must be presented as a decisive act of the will to God for, for his service. Okay. We're talking about sacrifice and God's grace. Hebrews, the author of the Hebrews gives us a little bit more. On this New Testament sacrifice. It says in Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, Jesus, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. Hey, you guys did that today. Was that wonderful worship this morning? So cool to just. We we offered up a sacrifice of praise. Which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. And then he gives us some practical things. Verse 16. Do not forget to neglect to do kindness and good. To be generous and distribute and contribute to the needy of the church as embodiment of proof of fellowship. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. 
the sacrifice of praise, not neglecting kindness and goodness, the sacrifice of generosity, and the sacrifice of contributing to the needy, that's a sacrifice that God is pleased with. Okay. So let me just sort of kind of wrap it up, right? Because this is a five-part series on the grace of God in different circumstances. But I could do five or six parts on sacrifice, so I'm kind of summarizing it. How do you sacrifice today, specifically? How do you live this out? How do you do this? Understand this. Your sacrifices will not buy you heaven or get you into heaven. Most people believe that at the end of the day, my good outweighs my bad, I'm in. I give enough, I do just enough, and at the end, I'll be okay. Which I always ask them, how much is enough? No one knows the answer to that. And how do you know? Are you doing enough? Or are you not? Did you watch a football game Sunday? You're not doing enough. You should have been serving God as you watched that, that game. Now, if you're going to live by the law, live by all the law. It's not going to get you heaven. Your sacrifice is not going to make God love you more. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, he cannot possibly love you any more than he already does. So it gives you a perspective of why we sacrifice. Okay, understand that. Here's, a, here's some other things for you, all right? Um, sacrifice in his strength. Paul said this to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15.10. He goes, I love this. I love it. It should be a memory verse for all of us. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Is that awesome? How about we memorize that? 1 Corinthians 15.10. But by the, whatever version you want. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Okay? Now, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but he says, here's the sacrifice. I labored even more than all of them. Some translations say, I labored even more than all y'all. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. And then he says this, though. Here's the balance. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. So Paul says, I, I, I labored, I sacrificed, but, but not me. The grace of God through me. We're talking about sacrifice today and grace. All right, cool. So here's how you can sacrifice, serve. Serve. How? I don't know. Find out what your gifts and talents and skills are and serve. Ask. See a need? Find a way to fill it. Some people come to me, oh, you know, pastor, we ought to do this. You know what I say? Praise God. Go for it, man. you got the passion. No, I mean, y'all should do this. I'm like, no, you should do this. Here's a mirror. Look in it. There's your guy. I know y'all like, man, I ain't never coming to him, man. I mean, like, no, man, come on. Serve. Come early on Sunday or Wednesday night. We have an amazing team of people. It's growing that show up at 8 o'clock. And they just pray for 15 minutes. Do you know that every Sunday all y'all are being prayed for? So are these empty seats too. And you're joining us in that prayer. That's powerful. 
boy, Wednesday night, we showed up at 6 o'clock and we prayed. And man, it was just, ooh, it was just a cool atmosphere. It was just like, whoa, wow, wow. Oh, come, show up and pray with us. Attend a light group. That's a sacrifice. Be a part of church family, men's groups, women's groups, okay? Uh, 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 couples groups, well, I think that's transitioning, but, but we have group. If you want to know more, ask someone out there, man, I want to be a part of a group. That's a sacrifice, okay? How about be accountable to someone? Have an accountability partner that asks you hard questions, and you're asking hard questions too. That's hard because we don't like nobody in our business, you know? But in today's... But in this body, in, in this world, you better have someone in your stuff. We need one another. Okay? Um, how about make it a point to read the Bible every day or listen to it on audio? You drive around a lot, throw in the Word of God. You know? Turn off that ACDC and put on some, some spiritual Word of God. <laughs> Megadeth. I don't know. I just came to mind. I don't know why. I, don't, I couldn't even tell you one of their songs. But anyway. Um, hey, pray every day. Um, I have this this morning prayer uh, I want to give to you. And we got this at the uh, the Global Leadership Summit a few years ago. I have I made a hundred copies. So second service, they're on their own. Anyway, here's what it says. You can have one of these out there if you want one. Don't forget between here and the front door. All right. It says my morning prayer. God, this is a new day. I freshly commit myself to the role you have invited me to play. As you are building your church in this world, I am awestruck again today that you include me in this grand, life-giving, world-transforming endeavor. So today, I joyfully, everybody say it together, I offer you my love, my heart. I commit all of myself to the role you've assigned me in the building of your church so it may thrive in this world, and I will bring it. Everybody say, bring it. I will bring it today. I will bring my best. You deserve it. Your church deserves it. It is the hope of the world. Is that an awesome prayer? Now, I know some of you are like, well, we just pray the same thing every... Well, just, you know, whatever. May Make it your own. But I think that's just... I just wanted to give you this as something that you could... That we could, you know... Man, God, we're going to do this, okay? All right, I'm almost done. Um, here's the last part, and I wanted to make sure I said this. Don't think of sacrifice as loss, but gain. Can I go back 27 years ago when I considered that relationship a loss? And it was so hard because it was a loss? And I sometimes I think when it comes to me, I think heaven is like, is this is this boy ever going to get it? Come on. This is not even a sacrifice. This is a no-brainer. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I don't know that that happens in heaven. But you know what it was? It was a gain. It was a gain. Sometimes when we sacrifice things that are hard, it holds us back from doing it because we can't see what's up ahead. And sometimes there's a blessing that God has for us, but he's waiting on us. See it as a game. That's a change in perspectives. Have you ever sacrificed something that God hasn't blessed in some way, somehow? Ah, 
I've always been, I don't know. All right, so Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many. This is not a business principle, by the way. Don't take this and try to write a book. Uh, will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. The Lord says, anything you sacrifice to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you for it. I'm going to... Now or later. See, some of the greatest things we do for Christ are things that nobody knows about. But he does not forget. He does not forget. He sees all and he knows all. Now, let me just finish by this. On the top of that mountain, Mount Moriah, where Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac, where David offered something that cost him rather than offering uh, making an offering that cost him nothing, where King Solomon built the temple. Um, on that same mountain, at the minimum, on that same ridge, 2,000 years ago, Jesus is crucified on a cross in the ultimate example of sacrifice to save us from our sins, to bring us in relationship with, with God. At that place, Jesus was offered up as God's sacrifice. Amazing. Amazing. And so, Pete, could you come on up and play some chords, please, while we just kind of close out? Let me ask you two questions. Is there something that God has asked you to sacrifice and you're reluctant? You're holding on. You're like, mine! I just want to encourage you. I can't tell you what that is, nor can I tell you what you should sacrifice. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. If I start telling you what you need to sacrifice, I'm out of order. You, you, need, to, you need to see the value in that. All right? And here's the other thing. The ultimate sacrifice you can make is to give your life over to Jesus Christ. Say, you know what, Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm yours, all of me. I don't want to be religious. I, 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 I want to have a relationship with you. I want to, I want to give, I want to give my life to you. And you know what? When I gave my life to Christ, when I surrendered my, I didn't even know what that meant completely. I just knew deep down in the very core of, of my existence, of who I am, in, 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 in the recesses of my heart, and I'm not even sure what that means. I knew that I needed to do that. Well, like, well, before you do this, do you know what it means? Well, I know what it means. I know that I need to get right with God and I need Jesus in my life and I'm not right with Him and I need to ask forgiveness for my... I know that. Uh, what does it mean after that? I don't know. <laughs> but I know that. I know that. I need to give. I need to give my heart. Now be careful who you give your heart to. You give my heart to Jesus. Maybe that's a sacrifice you need to make. That's a tough, 
we have all this stuff that keeps us from it. Or we feel, hey, I want to encourage you. Some of the hardest decisions when it comes to sacrifice, after you make them, most times it's like, what took me so long? Why did I wait? That's just me. That's just me. We have a, a missions offering that we want to take today. And so 